Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is not Josh Cacho. It is Logan Noblin. Did I say that right? You got that right. What is up, Kirk? How are you doing in this week of weeks? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I appreciate you helping out with the show. Josh is off in Costa Rica doing who knows what. Uh, I do know that he's aware of all the news, uh, including the win, the Gareth Bale signing. Um, there's, there's a lot to get to today, but I uh, wanted to give you... Yeah, I wanted to let you introduce yourself, and then we'll get into the game and all the other news. Yeah, man. Thank you for bringing me on. Uh, I listen to a lot, a lot of soccer podcasts, a lot of LAFC podcasts, and this is my favorite one. I was telling you off air a little bit before. I mean, you guys, you and Josh really seem to have a grasp of the, uh, the tactical aspect, which is something I'm always looking for. So really excited to be here. Uh, like I said, I feel like I'm talking with a celebrity right now. It's, it's cool to be on the show. Um, and yeah, especially this week, this, this has got to be probably the best week, uh, uh, as I can remember as an LEFC fan, I've, I've been with the club since the beginning. Uh, uh, and man, I, I didn't think Chiellini or Bale, the players of this caliber were ever going to be on the radar. And now they're signing coming in as Tams. So the future's yeah. looking pretty bright. Yeah, two pretty incredible signings, and like you said, I think this is a a, a fortunate a fortunate time to be a to be a guest host on the show. So thanks for joining. Uh, as Logan mentioned, uh, Gareth Bale was just announced yesterday, um, which is really mind blowing. I, I, he had been like ca- kind of casually linked to to DC United and to Inter Miami as well, but I mean, it seemed like he was headed back to to Cardiff uh in in Wales so uh kind of surprise news that there was some chatter around the LAFC Twitter sphere on on uh on Friday night about a, a huge signing being announced after they posted you know the the hat in the box uh gif on Twitter and uh man Gareth Bale on a TAM signing he is contracted through next June what my assumption is is uh similar to this Laton move that uh, the Galaxy made a couple of years ago. He's here initially on a TAM deal, and LAFC will figure out what's going on with either Brian Rodriguez or Carlos or somebody. They anticipate a DP move, and then Gareth Bale will hopefully be a DP that stays here for the next few years. He's uh, 32 years old, so he's still got plenty of tread on his tires. Uh, and It's not like you're bringing in a 32-year-old who's completely washed. Uh, this Anytime we see him... Granted, he hasn't been, you know, the relationship at Real Madrid has been testy. It's been off and on. Uh, he's <laughs> seemed completely disinterested at times, but uh, we know he's still got it because when he's when he plays in Champions League or plays for Wales, he's still the man. So what are your thoughts on Gareth Bale coming to LAFC, Logan? Yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited about this. I mean, I've been watching MLS since, you know, since 96. I grew up in L.A. I was a Galaxy fan. Uh, a disgruntled Galaxy fan, and and was uh, looking for something else, and and then I jumped on when LAFC came on the scene, and, and so I've seen all the big signings come and go, and, and I was thinking today if I could remember a bigger signing coming to MLS than Gareth Bale. Uh, I think David Beckham is still probably the number one all time yeah. for yeah. you know the influence that he had, but you know then who else? Uh, I was thinking about Zlatan. I think. Bale maybe a bigger signing than that. Uh, Insigne, they're they're different players. They're coming in different points in their career, but everybody who follows soccer around the world knows Gareth Bale, and, yeah. and there's not a team on the planet that wouldn't want to have Gareth Bale somewhere on their roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a world class talent, and that he's coming here at 33 years old, trying to get fit and inform and score some goals going into the World Cup. Uh, uh, he is going to be a nightmare for MLS defenders. And the fact that we're getting him on a TAM deal, I, I don't know what kind of sorcery, what sort of black magic they cooked up in the front office with with JT, but the fact that we have him coming on on a TAM deal with Chiellini and still another attacking DP to sign, I mean, man, this is, it's all theoretical right now. It's all on paper, but what's on paper is looking pretty scary. Oh, these are these are big boy signings from JT, um, and I mean the Chiellini one is exciting, and you want to have uh, you want to have lockdown defenders like 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 him 
physical i mean when it when it comes to defenders what do you think of like what's the first thing in global football it's italians right and he is the italian defender right so it it is exciting and obviously he's uh much further along in his career to use sort of a euphemism there uh at 38 but it's still uh he's still got juice he's still playing for juve pretty you know fairly regularly and um I think there are more question marks around that deal. and But certainly Gareth Bale, like you said, this is a world-class talent right now um, where he walks into virtually any starting 11 probably across the globe, uh, which is mind-blowing. And I, I, think, I think the David Beckham signing is, is where you want to go to categorize this. Uh, if I remember correctly, David Beckham came to Galaxy from... Real Madrid as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember how old he was. I think he was a little bit younger. Um, it's been it's been a while, but uh, and obviously he was the first one, right? That were they're, they're making all sorts of crazy exceptions to bring him in. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, are you looking that up right now? Yeah, I was checking to see if I could find what age he was when he came. Uh, but uh, another reason I really like this uh, Bale signing. It, it, not just in a vacuum for the name that he is, but also how he fits into this team right now going into the World Cup. Uh, you and Josh were talking about it last week that we're running into this problem with our front three that Vela and Brian and Chicho all kind of want to do the same thing. They yeah. all want to drop down into that the half spaces where an attacking midfielder a 10 would be operating. And we need somebody stretching that line. And yeah. I think that's why we've seen Apoku getting as much time as he has. I mean, today he started. I don't know if Chicho was hurt or if we're saving minutes for Wednesday. but I think that's what it is, yeah. That, that would make sense. But, but still, of, of the attacking players we have, Apoku's really the only guy we have who's regular, consistently getting in behind to stretch the line and open up that space for Vela. And Gareth Bale will do the same thing that Apoku does, but on a level that this league has never seen. He does I the mean, same he, thing Opoku does, plus the same thing that Vela does, right? <laughs> so, right, uh, he can and, do them both. And better than both of them, to be yeah. totally honest. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's, I mean, it's a, when you talk about the combination of athleticism and skill um, and experience, it's, it's unrivaled in the league. Uh, David Beckham was 32 when he came over, so... Uh, or at least in his 32nd year, he was born in 75. He came over in 2007. Um, so it's about at the same, the same spot. Uh, he had a lot of good years in the league too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sky's the limit with LAFC and Gareth Bale. And like you said, potentially another DP signing. Uh, of course it has been the official counter press uh, position that it needs to be a DP midfielder. Um because the midfield, uh, you all know our feelings on the midfield. Um, Taylor Twelman hinted that it might be a nine, uh, which leads me to believe it's uh, maybe there's still some room for Cabecita to come in. Um, that's a lot of attacking talent to have to to squeeze in. It's a great problem to have, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how Chirondolo alters the formation, alters, you know, the, our rotation patterns to, to fit everybody in. But uh, it's what Josh and I have been calling for for a long time because, like you said, it's you have three guys that do similar things, want to do similar things, and we kind of end up in this 4-6-0, and then we have a midfield that can't connect with them anyway, so it kind of forces them to come back more. Uh, and ultimately, you don't – you know, Chicho is, Chicho is great. I love him on this team, but he's not going to – make the kind of runs that Vela did against San Jose from the midfield, right? And even Vela doesn't have that every single time he's on the ball. Of course, nobody does. But uh, you're just, you're requiring so much of your attackers when the midfielders can't create. So again, just to reiterate, we would love to see uh, a DP midfielder. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, it's exciting. It's exciting time to be a, to be an LAFC fan. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the game, Logan. They, they, there was a game today. <laughs> Uh, which has been uh, somewhat overshadowed at a two nothing victory over uh, New York Red Bulls, uh, which are they're they're not a slouch team. I hadn't I honestly hadn't watched much of them before today. I was impressed with the way uh, 
just how coordinated their their press was and how intense they were in fighting for 50-50s. This is kind of like the quintessential Red Bull team, right? Uh, this is the essence of their energy of their energy drink football, where it's just all out all the time, and you're gonna have to fight if you want to win those balls. And I thought Red Bull gave them just about all they could handle for a good portion of this match. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I, I was excited for this game because you know the knock has been that we've been beating the weaker teams and struggling against mm-hmm. the bigger teams. I mean, there's only so much you can knock the team when they're in first place halfway right. through the season. Right. But still, that that has been a criticism. So I had this game circled, really the stretch, uh, yeah. starting with Seattle last week, then uh, Red Bulls today, and then a few more tough contests coming up. We're going to have Dallas coming up on Wednesday, uh, and there's a few tough ones. So this was really a, a stretch. I was looking to see how the team looks against a better competition. Taylor Twelman was say anything's Red Bulls is maybe punching above their weight, but you know, still they're, they're uh, at least a playoff caliber team. And I was really impressed with how the team played. I mean, the first half, yeah, was uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, it looked like going through mud, trying to create anything in the attacking mm-hmm. half, but that defense was locked down and we looked like we were controlling the game and that's not controlling the game against, you know, Cincinnati or inner Miami. I mean, we looked like we were in control against a good Red Bulls team and they were doing the Red Bulls thing. Like you said, you know, they're knocking the ball forward. They're trying to win the second ball. They're trying to uh, win their 50 fifties and tackles and create offense that way. And I was looking for that. And I thought we did a really good job, uh, especially in those one-on-ones winning the tackles, winning the 50 fifties in those cage match fights, a lot of time we were coming out on top, especially in the second half. Uh, and that's really good to see from a team where, again, if there's been a knock, it's been that, you know, maybe not physical enough, maybe not in it for the cage fight enough. Uh, but I thought against a, a good opponent uh, who really is into that physical battle, we looked pretty good physically. And we controlled the game, wore them down. And by the second half, like it happens under Terundolo, finally it just opened up. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I didn't see it as quite as positively as you did. I, I, people are at this point are probably tired of me doing this kind of stuff, but, um, I I thought they were good in the first half. I, you know, there's not a whole lot of, they go into the half nil, nil. They didn't really allow any chances on goal to speak of, um, they just don't, they, they, I feel like LAFC really struggled to create, uh, but again, it comes down to that midfield, right? And to me, the biggest problem today is that you go out with a with a very aggressive ball winning side that includes Opoku, Blessing, and Sifu, right? And then you just don't get as much of the ball winning as you'd want. And credit to to Red Bulls because I mean they came out and they executed. So it's it's always a two sided game, right? Where uh, you can't always impose every single bit of your will on the other team. And today I felt like in the first half, Red Bull got the better of them in terms of like 50-50s and everything. But like you said, they weren't able to create anything all that dangerous. Uh, I thought Jesus Mario was absolutely outstanding. He, for me, he's the man of the match just because he put out so many one-on-one fires like I don't, I don't know that people appreciate how hard it is to do what he did today. I there had to have been at least seven or eight one v ones where Mario is alone, and it's only him and Crapo to beat. And he just stands guys up, nicks the ball away, and today did a great job of corralling the ball and passing into the midfield. Uh, whereas I thought the midfield is again no surprise, right? what really struggled to create. Uh, I felt that once they did get runners into the box or a a player on the ball in the opposing penalty area, that there weren't enough runners that we were just kind of like sending in these blind crosses, uh, not like big whipped in crosses, but you know, dribbling into the box and then firing it across and Red Bull did a great job of stacking bodies right there and clearing them all away. Um, I tweeted out early, I think it was during the high, during the first hydration break that it just needed like if if those three Opoku and Blessing and Sifu are going to be there and they're not going to win balls they may as well throw Acosta in there and then put Chicho on 
because at least you're going to get more quality in the attack. Uh, once they did, that's that was where it came from. I think, like you said, LAFC had done a, a decent job of wearing them down before that. Um, so it came at the right time and get two goals in quick succession. And then you can tell that Chirundula was ready to make a bunch of subs to save legs because as soon as they did, it was like, all right, here comes Musovsky, here comes Janela, pack it in. We're gonna we're gonna finish this off. Uh, so you did you did the job against a, a good Red Bulls team. So anyway, yeah, and, and I think you're right. Uh, you've been talking about this issue with the midfield for a while when we have Sifu and Blessing and together as the eights, uh, and, and they just they still struggle to link up the the defense with the front three. And it seemed like every time the ball went into their feet, it's going one direction. It's going vertical right at the other goal. And yeah, you know, yeah. maybe it'll come off, but so many times it doesn't, you lose the ball and, and you kind of lose your momentum. And yeah, like you said, Acosta comes in and immediately, you know, it was uh, his touch. It wasn't, uh, it was also good on Sifu for collecting it, but on the, uh, the opening goal for Chicho, uh, the ball comes into Acosta and he only has one touch to to play it. And he plays mm-hmm. it up towards Sifu, who does a good job winning the header and nodding it down to Vela. Yeah. Um, but that's a touch that that blessing isn't making. You know, that, that mm-hmm. Sifu's probably not making. That's that's something you only get when Acosta's in. Uh and you know, sure enough, and Vela collects it and puts Chicho in on a great pass. I mean, just getting dragged down. Incredible incredible forward. pass, incredibly timed run. It, I mean, it was just perfect. And then just so cool. Uh, on the finish from Chicho, which is great. Beautiful. Great work, yeah. But you know who's uh, got to be more excited about anyone than anyone about Bale coming in is is Vela. Oh, yeah. The eyes that it's going to take off him. You know, he was doing today what he's been doing a little bit this season, or a lot a bit this season, dropping into midfield, playing mm-hmm. almost like a false nine when he's up there. But when he's on the wing, he drifts in into the 10 space. And having someone with the 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 gravitas and the uh as gareth bale and the number of eyes and defenders that are going to pull to him going behind and the space that's going to create for vela to put in balls over the top for him or chicho Uh, i mean anything to take a little bit of the weight off of vela of having to create all the chances for the team uh, it's just going to open up even more space for a team that's already top of the supporter shield standings after yeah. the season. Yeah. It, it, this is, this is a fantastic point because Vela often is double and triple teamed and it's how Seattle continues to just dominate LAFC. Every time we come up against them in the playoffs is they take away Vela and they say, all right, LAFC beat us. And that just doesn't happen in the playoffs. Um, and now all of a sudden, if you do that, Vela is going to be the assist King. He's going to make Diego Valeri look like a chump. Uh, he's just going to collect assists because Gareth Bale is just going to be wreaking havoc uh, in behind. And if you if if you don't double him up, then fine. Now he's going to create and he's going to score. So either way, he's going to eat. Uh, I um, It does seem like he waited until, not that he knew that this was happening, but once they signed Bale is when Vela ended up signing his contract. So... It, it does seem like Vela was waiting to see like, Hey, are you guys serious about this or what's going on? And what, who else are you going to bring in to help me do this? Um, so there's gotta be at least a little bit of relief on his part, uh, to know that he's not the, the only guy that has to do the heavy lifting anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, crazy that Vela finally signed his contract today and that, that got buried underneath all the other LAFC yeah. news. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's in some sense, it's kicking the can down the road a bit. You know, the reporting so far has been that it's a minimum of a year contract. We don't know if it's a year, 18 months or any more than that. I think the original reporting was 18 months, right? It was all the way through 2023. I I don't know if that's what, I mean, that's like four or five weeks ago when it first came out that they had, they were close to a deal. I don't know if that's what was actually signed, but. Yeah, and I'm not sure they've released the the specifics at this point. But either way, if it's 18 months, I mean, then we'll that'll finish out this season plus next season, and then we'll have the same questions with Bale leaving, Vela leaving, Chiellini probably leaving, and yeah, they'd be a revamp. But it seems pretty clear that the front office and JT are on a mission to win MLS Cup this year, and they've 
pushed all yeah. the chips into the middle of the table. And I mean, can you remember seeing an MLS roster that that looks like what this one is about to? No, because I, I mean, to be fair, it's a good roster. It's for for as much as Josh and I complain about you know the lack of creativity in the midfield. When you go around position by position, you you know because of injury, you're starting guys like Danny Musovski last last week against Seattle and. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to complain about that. I'm not going to be happy, right? But if the answer is, okay, Gareth Bale and now another attacking DP, got it. That pushes back, that pushes Danny Musovsky back to where he should be is the third string uh, striker. And Opoku's now coming off the bench uh, as well. And so it's, then you look into the midfield and Cifuentes and Blessing are good midfielders, but for the way that LAFC want to play, they don't have all the different tools that you need. Uh, you're going to get excellent pressing from them, but the creativity is not going to be there. Janela has that creativity, but no physicality, right? So you have good pieces. These are all three of those guys would be great on other teams playing in a in a more specific role that's you know what designed to suit those their needs. Um, Acosta is still there. Acosta should be a locked in starter every week for me. Uh, same with Ilié. Um, I think the only question is really right back still uh, because you're still doing this kind of like swing fullback thing where you have Escobar and, and Palacios and Hollingshead just fills in where you need them. Uh, I don't need that kind of flexibility. I, like just give me two right backs and two left backs and then boot one of the five center backs that you now have. Uh, but how do anyway. you feel about Escobar today? I thought, I thought he was good. I, I, I thought he was left hanging several times by Opoku. Vela will will release that ball to to Escobar as he overlaps, and there were several times where like Escobar's making that run, and Opoku turns it back into pressure, tries to get into the half space, and is dispossessed. And it's like now Escobar's running all the way back. I, he, you know, I think he had a shaky. He did get magged once. Uh, he had a good one on one tackle. I can't remember who it was that he got, uh, but I thought he was pretty good defensively. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I was actually pretty excited about his performance. I mean, he looked a little rusty. He's just coming back yeah. from injury. Yeah. Um, like you said, got mad, got lost a couple battles. But by and large, he was really stout defensively, uh, especially in the one-on-ones. He uh, offers just so much going forward. He's so good in the attacking third. He's and, so good. Yeah, and he offers – I mean, I've been pretty high on Hollingshead, and I think Escobar, yeah. even today with his mistakes – looks like a better prospect to me than Hollingshead, which is a great mm-hmm. problem to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're trying to fi- pick two between Palacios, Hollingshead, who a lot of smart people are calling the best right back in MLS the last couple of years at Dallas, uh, between the two of them and Escobar, and you only have room for two, I mean, that is uh, that is a great problem to have. And, yeah. You know, if Escobar can't go, he's limiting his minutes, and we have Hollingshead coming off the bench. He offers a little more of a physical presence. Um, but man, Escobar on that wing, how, how he can do defenders one-on-one set up chances, his skill lockdown on defense. It's good to have him back. He is deadly. He is deadly. Um, and so that's why I think it's more of a glaring thing when he's not paired up with somebody like Vela, right? Where it's just like, man, he's got so much to offer. You just have to utilize him. Right. And Mm -hmm. you know, Opoku is just a kid. So he'll, I mean, he'll get there. Um, other performances, uh, Sebastian Ibeaga continues to be a question mark for me. I'm not sure if Fall is injured, or I, I think we have a few questions about that. Diego Palacios ends up with a goal uh, from a great move. Man, the the move that uh, Rodriguez puts, he does this like I think he's just kind of like sidesteps a, a defender as the ball is coming to the, coming to them in in the air. I I can't remember if the ball was sent from Crepo or not. Uh, but it's kind of this long ball driven up towards the halfway line on the right wing. And he kind of sidesteps around the defender and it is then just free in acres of space. Uh, has composure to buy some time for Palacios to catch up. Palacios gets the ball, waits for the, the sliding challenge. Nice finish across the face of goal. Um, just Palacios with another solid performance. Josh and I um, talked about how he didn't seem comfortable at the beginning of the year. But man, he has... has he come a long way in the past in the past few months. Uh, he looks like a different player 
from what from where he started this season. He might have turned into the best fullback in MLS in the last few months. He could be. He could be. Yeah. He's that good. He he certainly has the pr- and he's only 22. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, besides Sean Thorrington, whoever's doing the scouting at LAFC, bringing in guys like Palacios, Fall. Yeah. I mean, these guys yeah. are going to go on to do some big things. It's special yeah. to have them here at this club right in this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to. I can't. Yeah. So Diego Palacios is just 22. Um, hmm. I, I don't remember how many assists he has this year. Oh, he's only, he only has two assists this year. That seems that seems ridiculous. Seems low. Uh, that finish though, low. and also, I mean, Brian setting it up. I think we saw the we got the full Brian Rodriguez experience today from one side of the spectrum to the other. Yeah, I mean, he was lively, uh, looks dangerous, but uh, at the same time, seems a little nervous in the final third. There was that play, I think, in the eighth minute. Uh, he tried to slip in Vela behind and. Just sort of a weak pass. It got intercepted. He had a yeah. couple one on ones that didn't turn out. But then you give him a one on one clean breakaway, and he has a, a moment of brilliance and sets up yep. Palacios. So you know he he continues to kind of be a head scratcher. You can see the quality there when when he puts it together, but you just don't see it consistently enough. But uh, Palacios, especially for a left back, that finish. I mean, that was gorgeous. Yeah. The fake yeah. shot rolled it forward for himself to set up a calm finish on the far side. He yeah, he has turned into quite a player. Yeah, and I mean defensively as well. It's not like he's just an attacking fullback that is a liability. Like he, we talked about it last week on the show. The way that he just made me smile <laughs> because of the because he pocketed both Roldan brothers. Um, so yeah, he's 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 been fantastic down the stretch. Um, so I mean, all things are things are looking up. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to bring up was. Uh, Cropo had a, a couple more close calls playing balls on the deck into the midfield today. Uh, didn't get punished like last week, but oof. I, I don't know if it's just a, he's, he's a little too confident. Um, but there were a couple times the press almost landed on him and uh, a couple times he sent some questionable balls back into the midfield, but they can't, it did all, it all worked out today. So. When it works, he's a genius, and, and when yeah. he doesn't, it's a nightmare. But, uh, yeah. again, you know, these are good problems to have. He's, I think, clearly the best goalkeeper we've we've ever had at LAFC. Without a doubt. Without and, a doubt. And Yeah. So, I mean, I there's uh, so, and no one is immune to criticism. And, yeah, he does make me a little nervous when he gets, uh, you know, starts feeling himself and starts flying out on one-on-ones. But, you know, then again, he kept another clean sheet. Yep. And yep. I feel confident with him back there too. I mean, he is a shot stopper. And for me, that is the, the most important thing you want out of your goalie. Yeah. To me, to me, if I, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I feel confident with him there. Right. I feel like if there is a mistake, it's just this one-off thing. It's like a weird occasion where he got caught. Whereas the other keepers, it's like, Oh, are we seriously still doing this? Like we still, we still can't pass back to Sisniega. Tyler Miller's still off his line at the wrong time. Uh, you know, it's, it's just always the wrong thing. There's, you never felt confident with any of the other goalkeepers. I guess Romero was maybe the closest he had a, he had a great stretch last year, but then it's like, ah, now we're getting punished on crosses. So, um, you just, you just never know. You just never but yeah. and we and we got so much talent spread around the field, you know, it's like we're never gonna get Ederson playing there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just yeah. not gonna happen. Uh, so I, as, and as at the same time, like get, you don't need that. Right. You don't need that. You need a competent goalkeeper who's gonna keep you out of trouble most of the time. And that's what they got. So again, kudos to the front office. Well, Kirk, you forgot the biggest news of the game. What's that? Kylian Mbappe has <laughs> apparently had a conversation with John Thorrington in the press booth. Uh, that was a that was that was something to see him there, just that was kind cool. of relaxing. Yeah. Uh, How crazy must all of this be driving Galaxy fans? I, mean, I did see some out. Galaxy, right? I did see some of them out today uh, on on the Twitter machine complaining about it, um, and and calling out their own front office and. 
Um, my position on the galaxy right now is until we start winning in Carson, like I, <laughs> I I'm treading really lightly though. Yeah, that's uh, fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Uh, but in terms of even just the, you know, the, the star power alone, I mean, galaxy was the team that would bring in yeah, the, yeah. the David Beckham's, the Robbie Keane and, you know, yeah. Now so I, I, I tweeted out, um, by the way, I just got a tip. It's just showing up. So I'm starting to like go through the Twitter questions to prep us for the next segment of the show. Uh, I am getting messages about a DP. What are you hearing, Kurt? Well, I me, have, I have, what I, I have no specifics. I have zero specifics other than that. Um, and I don't, I don't like to get too far into it, especially in the show, because I don't want to put these sources under like any sort of like undue scrutiny or, or have them have them end up uh, losing their sourciness. Um, but a responsible reporter. <laughs> I try to be. So I'll give you uh, what I heard first. I'm, I'm not in the know, but I do occasionally have get some information from people in the know. And what I've been hearing is that there is there is three names that were uh, that people in the know were aware of a while ago, and it was Keelini, Bale, and then the one additional DP that we have coming. It is supposed to be attacking player, and it is somebody who the, the the people who have heard the name are extremely excited about it on the level of Keelini and Bale. So I don't know when this is supposed to come. But it does sound like what JT was saying about them charting a course to try and assign a DP before this window is over. Uh, I'm hearing some rumblings that it could be somebody pretty exciting. Somebody get me a location on Ross Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> We've been calling for Ross Barkley since 2017. It's about uh, time. Have other people been doing that? For Oh, yeah. He was, he was supposed to be... Uh, Man, I thought I had this like novel idea. Villa. I thought I had this super novel idea two years ago. But. He'd be perfect, right? He. I do. That. I mean, yeah. At this point, it's almost just me trolling about it, right? But he is. He is the profile of midfielder that I want. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Well, according to Twitter, it's going to be Isco. I would settle for Isco, of course. I'd be, I'd be okay. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I mean, uh, he, Di Maria already signed with Juve. It seems uh, so. He's out there. I want to go back to something you said, Logan, because uh, you talked about you. You mentioned the galaxy, kind of like the star-studded thing. So this is the prompt that I put out for the listener questions today. Two zero win against a great uh, RBNY side, six points clear, which I think is actually false. I think we're only four points clear. Uh, and game in hand, though. Yeah, uh, in supporter shield race, Bale inbound, Chiellini inbound, potential third DP inbound. What have you got for this show? And this was actually picked up by people in Red Bull Twitter uh, who just, I don't know if you've ever talked crap about Red Bull, about Red Bulls on, on Twitter, but if you, if you put RBNY, like you are going to either get hate or praise. And this time it was praise. Uh, And they were all talking about, you know, quote tweeting and saying, ah, this is what a team that really wants to win looks like. Uh, This is what makes a good team, a great team where you don't settle for things. And I think that's where, I think that's where Red Bull fans feel like they feel like we have this system. We have a team that's performing well, go sign higher level players. And that's what, that's what I saw today. A team, a well-coached team that played well together, but just didn't have the quality to put it all together against a team like LAFC. So I think, I think that idea of, of the star studded team somehow getting better and stealing the spotlight is is really it i think i think it again that's another nail on the head for you logan and i think it i think bale coming to lafc does and chiellini i mean it's kind of <laughs> that we're all already kind of just jumping over the chiellini news like a week later but with both of them coming to lafc i mean i saw right now Elliot Bale to LAFC is the 36th trending item on Doyen, which is the Chinese TikTok. You know, people <laughs> who have never heard of LAFC yeah. are going to be tuning yeah. into games on Apple TV to watch Gareth Bale uh, right. all around the UK, all around the world, yep. and to watch Giorgio Chiellini. And 
Italians and young players five, 10 years from now when, you know, they're considering a move to the U S are going to remember, Oh, that LAFC, that that's right. That team that Chiellini played that, that Gareth yeah. Bale played for. Yeah. I mean, this is one of two of those sort of landmark moves in MLS that aside what they bring on the field, which I think is likely to be very positive, uh, but stretching beyond that in opening uh, channels for that sort of caliber of player in the near future, but also long-term, and on a TAM deal, too. Yeah. There's really no there's really no <laughs> downside. Yeah. I mean, if you're signing yeah. Gareth Bale on a, T, a DP, uh, I, I don't think that would be an issue. But on a on a TAM, it's No, it's if you, if you told me, hey, we signed Gareth Bale on $10 million a year as a DP, I'd be like, that's incredible. He was making 31 million pounds last year. So that's perfect. So we'll see we'll see what happens in this next year. And hopefully they resign him and uh and he is a DP. And again, they lock him up for a few more years. But um, I do want to I do want to uh, speak about one thing that you mentioned. And it's actually so you, you mentioned the Apple TV deal, uh, which, as we know, is going to be subscriber based. They're still going to be nationally televised games. But even though it's a it's a somewhat disappointing contract in terms of like the overall dollar amount. It's, it's a statement of intent, I think, from MLS and from Apple to really grow the game together over the next 10 years, right? Um, and they're kind of betting on themselves to make it work because this is a subscriber-based thing, right? They're going to have to go to Wales now and say, hey, if you want to watch Gareth Bale, you got to get Apple TV. Uh, and like that's their selling point. If they want subscribers in... Italy, they can say you can watch Insigne and you can watch uh, Chiellini and all these other Italians that are in Toronto. You can watch them, but you got to get Apple TV, right? So I think in terms of forcing the league's hand to signing some more globally relevant players, they're going to have to do it because here's the thing about this deal. All of us are going to get it because this is our this is the league that we watch, right? And I mean, myself, I have like six different subscription services because I want to watch EPL. I want to watch La Liga. I want to watch Ligue from time to time. I want to watch Serie A, right? So I go and I buy all these subscription services so I can watch good football. Um, so in order to make themselves relevant, they're going to have to compete against these other leagues. And that's going to, hopefully, fingers crossed, that's going to force MLS owners to stop just saying, oh, well, we're going to buy this relatively unknown uh, South American talent. And then we're going to try and sell them on. Because that doesn't always work, right? It worked for Miguel Amiron and then eh, like a few others after that. Uh, Diego Rossi, obviously, but like it's not like he got the big move that Almiron did, right? So uh, I think this forces the league's hand to really perform on, on a global stage. Uh, and LAFC are the ones, <laughs> they're the first through the door on this one. So anyway, that's kind of a long rant. We're going to be must-watch TV come Chiellini and Bale. I mean, that is the team. If you're going to watch an MLS game, that's the team you're going to throw on. Maybe Toronto when Insigne comes in there too. But that's a good point. I mean, the uh, there's valid concern uh, about taking MLS off of general, easily to watch cable TV. You know, there is the thought about if you're trying to grow the game, you want the casual sports fan who's flipping through channels or at a sports bar to be able to catch a game. And, and I do see that concern. I think that's valid. But at the same time, we've been trying the same model for, what, 20 years now? And yeah. it, it doesn't seem to be working. The, the viewership is not good. As, as good as the attendance in stadiums is and as uh, passionate as the support has become, the ratings have still not been doing well on you know, the general cable packages yeah. as it's been presented. So I'm all in favor of trying something different. It's... Uh, soccer is a younger demographic uh, that's that's watching, who is mo- more inclined to sign up for a subscription service anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of how ha- the success of this deal is going to come down to how much Apple wants it, how much they're yeah. prepared to invest. I mean, they have the power to send you a notification on, you know, in your phone and buzz your pocket anytime <laughs> they want to tell you that Cincinnati is has drawn level with Montreal. I don't think they're going to be doing that. They does this that does this week. mean that like there's going to be an official U2 MLS album that just shows up on my phone next year? 
automatically downloaded. You can't delete it either. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Apple's, uh, they have infinite money, you know, as much as they yeah, want to try to yeah. market this and make it a success, they can. Uh, and so I think it's a good it's a good risk knowing there are risks with taking it off, you know, your local channel five or whatever. Uh, but like you said, you know, you can go around the globe and to your casual fan and, you know, China or Russia or Ghana or wherever and say, Oh, you want to watch, you know, this player, this, this quality TV, it's just, you know, five bucks a month. Plus why well, I, I don't know what the extra yeah. package cost is going to be at this point. Hopefully. If you want to watch Ted Lasso, you can also watch MLS. <laughs> <laughs> How much American soccer can we shove down your throats <laughs> for $6 a month or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I mean, it, we'll see. And I know that at least for a fan who's already going to subscribe, um, I trust that Apple's going to put out a, a quality broadcast. Yeah, uh, I've heard yeah. good things about the MLB broadcast so far. So for me, it's it's good news. Uh, and you know, uh, for the growth of the game and the country, we'll see. Why not try something different? Yep, yep. I agree. I agree. All right, Logan. Anything else from this game or the news that you want to get to before uh, we get into questions here? Uh, other other rumblings that I've heard is that uh, Musovsky and Henry uh, are likely going to be moved on uh, sooner rather than later, which you know makes sense to me, especially with the players that you have coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, you know you can't bring players in, not move players out. And so, as far as the players coming in, I know we just signed Danny Trejo for Las you know from Las Vegas and. I think he's just been coming in on short-term loans, but he's a a guy that I would love to see involved. And if it's him versus Musovsky, that's, it's kind of an easy choice for me. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Trejo's Trejo's got, you know, it's, it's about ceiling, right? We know what Musovsky doesn't to, again, to be fair, Musovsky does what he does. Well, like he is a pacey striker. Who's going to get you a couple goals here and there. Um, And again, if, so if he's, if he's your your third striker, by all means, keep him. But if he's the guy that you're going to be starting on the left wing against Seattle, then hey, we got some work to do. But, yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. He's he's, you know, done this well. He scored some important goals this year. But if he's yeah. the one moving on to make space for Gareth Bale, then uh, that's, that's a fair. <laughs> Somebody's got to go. <laughs> I'm sorry, Moose. <laughs> it's gonna be you. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's get into some questions here. Uh. The first one, Logan, is from Somber Amarath. Uh, we exploited the weekend state of a traveling opponent, and that is a, and that is good to see. The team lacks a consistent killer instinct. This performance should be the norm and not the exception. If we want to win a cup, we have to play every game like we are trying to dismantle the opponent. Logan, how about you take the first crack at that one? All right. Well, my first thought is that this performance seemed more like the norm than the exception in the sense of I'm starting to get a sense for what Torundolo ball looks like. We're going mm-hmm. to play the same four, three, three system, try to control the ball, but we're going to be a little more pragmatic and keeping our defensive midfielder and our, our fullbacks reined yeah. in a little bit, especially in the first half, control the game, work the ball around, try to wear the opponent down, put in some long balls to keep the back line honest. And then the second half is when things really come alive. And we've seen that throughout the season under Chirondolo, not always successfully uh, and not always perfectly, but I'm starting to see what his vision is. And today it worked like a charm. I mean, the first half, I felt like we were in control. We gave up some chances. We created some chances, maybe not enough, uh, but enough that we were working the ball around in that heat against a traveling opponent at home. Then come the second half when we can sub in a Rango and a Costa and turn it up to another level, uh, all of a sudden they just can't stay with it anymore. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I don't feel like today was the exception. Um, I think that you're probably right that traveling in the heat and that Southern California heat probably did have something to did have an effect on the game. I mean, it's not like it's cold in New York right now. You know, all the players are playing in the heat. But still, I think that did probably bog down the, the game a bit in the first half. Um, but again, New York's a good team. They're a well-coached team. They're missing yeah. a couple players, but that was a quality opponent that we just – we didn't always assert our will, but 
I generally felt pretty positive about the performance and, you know, like we've been talking about, it's, it's only going up from here. Yeah. Yeah. Again, my, my biggest complaint was with the ball winning. Right. And I think, so if that's where Somber's getting at, like with this killer instinct or, uh, I, I a hundred percent agree right there. Or like you can kind of gauge somebody's mentality on how they go into these challenges. And I felt like Red Bulls came out and they were just ready to contest everything. Uh, so anyway, that's what they do uh, though. Right. If you're, if that's you're going to get thing, a good yeah. test on having those sort of one-on-one battles, I mean, who better to have that test against than Red Bull? Yeah. 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 I think they probably won on, on balance the first half, but you know, uh, I think we did a pretty good job with it, especially in the second half and yeah. way too nil. Mm-hmm. All right. Next one's from at Yoyo Torre 66. If they want to win, they need to use that third DP slot now and cut some of these players. The team really needs a cam who can shoot from outside the box. Uh, so this is something that Josh and I have talked about. Yeah, again, uh, it sounds a lot like Ross Barkley, <laughs> an attacking midfielder who can shoot from range. Uh, but uh, somebody who's who's a threat from the midfield. And you, you just don't really get that from Sifu and, and Blessing. Sifu has you know, plenty of goals that he gets. Some of them are tap-ins. Some of them are ones that he creates. He takes... Uh, probably more shots than he should. I can't um, watch him shoot from outside. Has he ever hit one of those? I don't think he's hit one of those. I've Every I've seen game. it. I saw it in his film. I remember when I wrote the scouting report on him back when I was still writing a lot because I had more time. <laughs> uh, now I coach too many teams. Um, but I remember I remember seeing one or two goals from outside the box and thinking, "Oh, this is going to be incredible." He shoots with so much power. And it's like, okay, well, clearly I, I must have just been watching highlights because uh, it's not, it's never accurate. It's never, it's always over the bar. Uh, most of the time it's six feet over the bar, right? And then Blessing is just, Blessing just takes far too many touches in the opposing box trying to create, 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 never pulls a trigger. And like, dude, I just want you to shoot or dish one of the two, like, but make a decision and do it. So, ah. yeah, I, I agree. And, and I was, I was on board with a Ross Barkley type eight, you know, more of a box to box, yeah. Frank Lampard mold eight before mm-hmm. Acosta came in. But with yeah. Acosta, I think he's, he's an international caliber six. Yes. He's not, he's, he doesn't play an eight. Uh, you know, he's tried it for the U S and, and it's and not, it's not, not his deal internationally. Not it. No. Yeah. But he, he can get away with it at MLS, but if you're going to get, you have him in Ilié. That's a pretty defensively minded two out of your three yep. midfielders. Yep. So I'm with you. I'd prefer to see that third rather than like a Ross Barkley, Sifu, box to box, box guy, more of an attacking minded 10 Isco mold type of player. Just that, that little bit of glue we need between the defense, the midfield and that front three. I feel like that's the last piece of the puzzle that's missing here. Yep. Yep. All right, Justin, thirty-three W. I can't believe how massive Cheeky has been. If he co- if he becomes more consistent, he'll be in Europe uh, and was man of the match for me. As for your question, I think Raito and Chicho as a top two with Vela as a free roaming ten has the most potential. We saw that today. Vela draws in defenders. Chicho made the run. Yeah, I mean this is uh, what we talk about, right? Where you need a you need a midfielder who's going to draw that pressure and then dish right. And Vela coming into the midfield gives you that in a way that you don't get it from uh from blessing or or sifu and it's just one of those things where ah, those guys just don't quite have that and you mentioned it earlier where a lot of times they're just playing aggressive vertical balls in early it was the same thing with mark anthony k last year um where and again this could be the instruction they they the coaches are asking them to target that but you can still interpret that instruction as, hey, wait for the defense to step up or draw on a defender first and then slip the pass in, right? Uh, nobody's telling boxers to go out and throw it the other, as the, the opponent's gloves a hundred times in one round. Like sometimes you have to wait for the punch, slip it, and then counter, right? Um, so anyway, uh, that's, that's what I see there uh, in terms of the midfield. And Vela is just a different level of player. So hopefully, again, Adding a couple players gives you that kind of quality from the midfield. I spoke for a long time on that one, Logan. Sorry. Uh, anything else on that one? 
No, I think that's right. Um, it does, you know, there's going to be that question there of how long do you ride it out with Brian? I mean, he does seem, I think he's taken a step forward this year compared to the last couple of years, but still not as much of a step as you'd hope to see from a designated player. Yeah. Um, so is, is it Chicho and Brian up there? Uh, maybe in a couple months, if Brian keeps, you know, performing consistently and putting these assists. Although if I had to choose today, I, I would kind of rather see Chicho and Apoko up there. Cause like we've been mm-hmm. talking about, Apoko does something a little bit different than Brian does. Um, yeah. but the quality is there, you know, there's a reason he's been called into Uruguay. There's a reason he was signed as a DP. Um, and he does, I gotta say, he does look motivated this year. He looks like he's trying to do the right things. He looks like he's trying to improve. He just get the feeling he hasn't put it all together yet. Yeah. I, I have to imagine that, uh, again, with talk of a third DP coming and Gareth Bale being like half a DP, <laughs> because he's obviously in the plans for that next year that you're planning on, okay, Vela's going to move next year or Rodriguez is going to move to make space, right? Um, so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to see Rodriguez, you know, put on a show and then finally get his his move that he's that he's looking for. Um, next one is from Corey at We Don't Post Ever. Does another DP attacker plus Va- uh, plus Bale make Vela the DP midfielder you guys have been asking for? Um, potentially. Potentially. Um, it just depends on, on what that front three looks like. Uh, if you have, if you have Bale and Chicho and Vela and Rodriguez, I have a hard time sitting one of those four players to put Blessing or Sifu on at the same time. Like to me, if you do that, one of those guys has got to play in the midfield because, or you have to, or formation change or something because I don't, I don't want to sit Chicho so I can play a redundant midfielder. Like it's either Sifu or blessing one of the two. And then you got to figure it out. Um, and we're still talking about another DP coming in. So uh, man, I, I really, I really just don't know what that, what, what it's going to look like. It's tough to say. It is. And, and there's also, you have to take into account how much Bale is going to play, which is not going to yeah. be all the time. Uh, and, you know, so you have a, it depends. I think a lot depends on if you bring in a striker, uh, what happens to Chicho? Does he just become, you know, kind of a super oh. sub? Uh, if you bring in an attacking midfielder, then who do you want to sit, Acosta or Ilya? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, these, but again, these are questions, but these are great questions to have when, mm-hmm. when you're having to decide, do I want to sit Acosta or Ilya? And they're probably two of the best sixes in MLS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to get a lot of answers. I think probably what in the next week or so before this window closes. Yeah, I we'll see. Um, I somebody brought it up. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I'm sorry for not giving you credit, but somebody asked about playing a four two three one. You and I kind of spoke about it before the show. This is more of a change in terms of formation. Like again, Josh and I talk about how a four three three is very similar to four diamond two. It's very similar to the three four three, just with a couple positions moving up and down in the formation. Uh, a four two three one, you're moving into a double pivot. You're playing with a striker in front of everybody. Um, but that's probably the if you want the best eleven today, assuming Bale is here already. If you want the best eleven today, a four two three one is probably how you get them on there. And you have Vela playing at the ten. You have Chicho over the top with Bale and Rodriguez on the wings, and Sifu and Acosta. Uh, sorry, uh, Ilya and Acosta playing as sixes. Um, to me, that's how you get the best 11 on the field, given this current roster. Uh, but again, now we're talking about another DP. So <laughs> like, like you said, good problem to have, but man, it's it's getting crowded. So there are also, I mean, has have we seen Steve Trundle put this team out in any other formation than a 4-3-3? Uh, he's come out, like- he's, he's subbed to a back three a couple of times. In, in, am I right? That was to lock down games. More yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, he seems like he's got more of. He would rather take a four-three-three and tweak the tactics, like move one of the eights back to a six and make it a double pivot, than yeah. coming out in, you know, uh, three-five-two or, 
or something. Um, yeah, and I mean, even even with the new amount of of center backs that this team has, uh, assuming once you get Chiellini and Segura back and fall, um, I still don't know that I'm playing one of those guys over the attackers, right? I mean, you have to if you add a center back, you got to pull somebody off uh, from either the midfield or or from the from the front, and I just don't. I mean, maybe in a three four three where you have, ah, but see, that's still it's still not it's still not the same. I mean, in a three four three, you could potentially have like, uh, I don't. I the the tough thing is I don't even know what center backs are starting. For me, it would be Fall as the left center back, and probably Mario for now, and maybe Chiellini on the other side or or Segura. I I really don't know. And then you can push Escobar and Palacios up into the attack with, again, Acosta and Ilya. And then, but now you're still at that same problem. It's like, okay, well, we still have four really good attackers in Chicho, Vela, Bale, and Rodriguez. And mystery DP uh, is your fifth. So it just doesn't, adding a center back doesn't do it for me. I, I really don't know. Yeah. And I mean, before he got hurt, Segura was my preferred center back you know, to the other options yeah. we have yeah. since he's been hurt. Mario has really improved. I think especially since he's learned that Giorgio Chiellini is coming for his spot. Uh, he's, he <laughs> looks like he's been a different man. He was he a different like man, a man today. On a mission today. Absolutely. So you could bring in, you know, you could have something like fall Segura, Chiellini, you know, Mario in one of those spots. And then you, but then you got to lose a midfielder. And like you said, if we're bringing in a DP midfielder, that changes that whole equation. You're not dropping Isco for one of those. So I think a lot is going to depend on the personnel that comes in. But again, yeah. these are this is like playing football manager. You know, these are <laughs> they're fun things to think about, and it's good to have options. Yep, absolutely. Okay, uh, next one, the Sesquatch. What are your thoughts about the idea that uh, that the bench has been and probably will be LAFC's quote unquote A team this season? Also, do you think there is a plan B for when opponents figure it out, or does our quality and bench depth bring LAFC silverware no matter what? Uh, I'm trying to understand what this. Well, I'm, if you're the, the idea about, that the bench is the A team, I guess I, that I, means like if what, you're thinking about we, people who've been out injured and coming back from injury, like. Escobar coming off the bench or yeah. Vela coming off the bench, then I agree. But I think if you have everybody healthy, then you, you're starting those guys. You know, yeah. Escobar's starting. Sifu's starting. Vela's starting. Uh, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not entirely yeah, sure. I, I, I think, I think the idea is there are so many, like it's happened so often that once Chirundolo makes subs, like once he goes to the bench, then everything clicks. Right. Hmm. Um, and so, I mean, in, in that sense, this is what he's trying to do, right? He's trying to wear a team down and then bring what is seemingly unfair quality <laughs> off the bench in terms of MLS quality, right? It is. Um, and today, I, mean, I, I give that more to the, you know, the tactical approach than, yeah, yeah. than necessarily the players who are coming in. Like Musovsky has been a good super sub, but I don't think that's because Daniel Musovsky is going to, you know, be the golden boot winner this year. I think yeah, he's coming yeah. in at the right times and making a difference. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do. I don't think, I don't think Chirundolo is intentionally sitting starters to only use them as super subs. I think it's just kind of like the way it is. Uh, I, 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 would have liked to have seen Chicho and and uh, Acosta start this game, but again, with three games in seven days, it's kind of like, all right, well, so guys have to sit at some point. So yeah, I'll, I'll defer to the uh, the physios on that one. Yeah, uh, at Yogo Torres back. Uh, can we be honest and talk about how bad the team played? Poor passing, no creativity, and dropping on the floor to get fouls. This game was one of the worst games I've seen them play this year. Everyone is on the Bale Chiellini train now, not to care. Apparently, uh, I think this is this is kind of unfair. We've talked a lot about it, and again, they weren't they weren't great linking up defense to attack. We've talked about that problem for a year now, um, and it's a problem with the midfield. Uh, but once they fixed it, like the fixes were there, 
they were available. And I, I think that like, I just got finished saying, I think there's a plausible reason that you run out that initial starting lineup with Opoku with blessing with Sifu. And you say, Hey, Red Bulls is going to, they're going to come at us full tilt. Let's get these guys out there and win some balls. And it didn't happen. And then they couldn't create. And so you just kind of got beat on that one tactical move. And then he switches it up and they win. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't see it the same, the game the same way. Uh, I'm a big USC football fan. So I, w- I remember watching the Pete Carroll uh, defenses from yeah. what 1999 through 2010 or something like that. Uh, and I love being a fan of a second half team. Uh, mm-hmm. The first half can be frustrating, but you know, you're never out of a game. And that's how I feel watching this LAFC game. I mean, that first half, it wasn't pretty. Um, a lot of it was, you know, kind of slogging, slogging through. We have the same issues in the midfield with Seafood and Blessing we've talked about. But you you know, you as long as you're within a goal or two, you know you always have a chance in the second half. Yeah. Uh, and, and there it was. You know, we wore him down, finally broke open a couple, two goals in two minutes, and and that was enough. So uh, I wasn't as – I mean, I, I – Certainly would be receptive to some criticism of how the team played in the first half, but I didn't think it was a bad performance. Uh, I was pretty happy with it overall. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I'm not shocked by that by their lack of production in the first half. Again, given the personnel and what we've seen from it, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned USC. Uh, one one of my best anecdotes about that is so I grew up in Southern California, watched plenty of USC growing up. Uh, went to went and did my undergrad at at BYU and I was there in 2004 um, when USC came to town to Provo. And I remember at halftime, it was 10 to three BYU was winning and everybody around me is going crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, you should not like that is seven (laughs) points is not enough. Like it's still Reggie Bush out there Uh and it's going to get like, this could get ugly real fast. And I think the final score is like 57 to 10 or something. It always uh, did with but, that team. It yeah, but that's ugly that's how it was, right? That's they would break you over time. Um, anyway, that's, when you were talking about that, it just remind me of like being in the stands at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and just like <laughs> waiting for the other shoe to drop. From I USC. remember that game, and that's that, I mean, really, that is how I feel watching watching Dolo's LAFC. It, it's you just have this confidence, even if you're going into if you're going into halftime level, you know you're in good shape. Like yeah, happen yeah. today, and even if mm-hmm. you go in down a goal, you you know you know better. Blow one back. Yeah, yeah. All right, our boy Josh Cacho. What combination of forwards plays best together? I feel like we've already talked this one to death, uh, and <laughs> the problem is we don't even know. I mean, I guess if it's a four three three, for me, it's probably the best combination is probably Bale Chicho Vela. Yeah, I think one hundred percent, and Ve- um, and Bale doing ostensibly what Apoku tries to do now. Yeah, right, stretching but, in behind so yeah, Chicho yeah. and Velo can yeah. you know link up underneath. And yeah, I and now now you kind of st- you kind of switch and you build through the right, and you use Vela's distribution from the midfield to find Bale on the run, uh, and I mean those two will wreck. <laughs> MLS defenses and it's not it's not it's not anything super tactical it's just in terms of quality like if you can get if you can free up Gareth Bale and then use somebody like Vela to find his feet or find him over the top it is hunting season uh anyway yeah he's one of the Vela too I mean you know there's some guys you watch he just has the way the ball just glues to his foot yeah, uh, I, I put a note a down in the sixty fifth minute. Uh, oh no, sixty sixth. Oh yeah, no, it was for the goal. Um, Vela, he pulls it down. He's got a defender on his back, and he he just muscles him off. And you don't think of Vela as like a target for a muscly guy, but he just has the body control to muscle him off. And then he spins out of two tackles and hits a forty yard switch to Brian. I mean, yeah. like you said, there's nothing really tactical about it. He's just capable of doing He's things just better. That, other people in the league can't do. And yeah. I think Gareth Bale's probably got a few of those tricks in his yeah. bag too. Barcelona would call this qualitative superiority, right? <laughs> like you're just better. Right. It's, it has nothing to do with numbers or having played with a guy for a long time. It's just like, you are just flat out better. Uh, next Tom Camilleri, 
Uh, a quality win over a good team is only the second biggest thing that happened in the past couple of days. This has to be one of the happiest weekends in team history, right? I think this is exactly what you said earlier to start the show, right? I mean, I can't remember a better week in LAFC history. And I've watched a lot of soccer. I can't think of a lot of clubs who have had yeah. a better week, period. It's a, uh, it's a big it's a big one for sure. Yeah, yeah. And all of it on top of you. You know, the Chiellini signing itself was immense. And then following it up yeah. with Bale and, and Vela. And, you know, there might be more news to come. The funny thing is, the funny thing is, like, you sign Chiellini. It's like, oh, that's that's really good. That's exciting. And it's like, oh, well. That was just the appetizer. <laughs> Wait till the next one. Yeah. <laughs> appetizer. Like, I don't even know if appetizer is the right word for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even the same restaurant. Like, it's. Yeah. Uh, all right. Lionel Hutz, F from Cheap Seat. Why do you think Fall is not playing? This is a mystery to me. And I I think it's because they're getting enough from Mibiaga to feel comfortable getting clean sheet today. Everybody knows my feelings on him not being good enough. Uh, he got ragdolled several times today, just out-muscled, which I hadn't seen yet. You know, you see him look shaky in possession, but him being out-muscled and out-hustled and out today was worried, was bothersome. Uh, yeah. I assume Mamadou Fall is kind of the same as Eddie Segura. They're just taking it very cautiously. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't see. I checked the injury list. He wasn't there. Um, so I don't know if this is a contract situation or if it just has to do with personnel who uh, Dolo liked better today uh, with Dallas coming up on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. All right. Next one the Bacchanal. Wife and I took my sister and our niece to their first ever soccer game. Couldn't have asked for a better match. Excellent performance from the team. Exciting game. Balen Chiellini inbound. New DP coming. I can't complain about anything. Hashtag Bumbles LAFC. Uh, yeah, all all good things. Um, I'm going to go ahead and grab this uh, last one. Oh, it's also from Josh. Uh, just a surfing gift that says Pura Vida. Um, so, I mean, things are things are looking really good. I'd like to thank Logan for coming on the show tonight. You can find him at La Banda Popular on Twitter. Um, and yeah, it's a great time to be an LAFC fan. Um, we will talk to you all after the next big signing or the next game. Nice.